in a world where... Nah, this ain't that kind of podcast. Let's be honest, the world doesn't need another podcast where we ask the same old questions to the same successful people. You're listening to the Profit and Impact Podcast with Nev Harris. Grab a seat at the table as Nev and his guests dig into the challenges that successful agencies and freelancers have overcome to achieve their success. There's no script, and Nev's insatiable curiosity and ADD can take the conversation anywhere. So let's get real and have some honest talk, lots of laughs, and some helpful insights into what it really takes to create more profit and impact in your business. Hey, it's Nev, and I'm back with another Profit and Impact. This time, I have a great guest who made a real big impact on my life, uh, Corey Miller. So Corey is, for those who don't know, founded iThemes back in 2008, and then uh, sold it, like all of our dreams, to sell our companies for a, for a nice profit in 2018. Now, he's uh, a partner at a post status a community for people in the word WordPress, and also he has an interesting domain called digitalkitchen.com, which I don't know anything about, but we're gonna have him explain that to us because that sounds yeah. kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. So Corey, yeah, I've got a couple of projects going. Thanks for having me, Nev. Appreciate it. And no, I uh, I appreciate it. So um, let's get right into some things here. Let's start talking when you started your business. It's, this is a great story. So it's yeah. January 2008. Take it away. Yeah, January 1st, 2008. Um, got to punch my ticket on becoming a full-time entrepreneur. I'd been doing freelancing for uh, probably four or five years before that. Um, but the last year and a half or so before I started themes was really just freelance and web design with WordPress. And, uh, so January 1st, 2008 started I themes. It was, it was just, uh, you know, pinch yourself fun. I look back now, 12 years ago, um, and think all the things I didn't know and understand that were happening in the world at the time or how tough this job of entrepreneurship would be. But, you know, that was the year I think, which you, you're kind of alluding to, you know, the, the big financial meltdown here in the States and and I think globally too. So, you know, I, I was a little bit too naive, I think, to realize I wanted the, what was going on in the economy in the world, just to know the thing, something wasn't happening just right. You know, things were really kind of collapsing. There was bailouts going on and stuff, <laughs> but, you know, we were also the low cost option. You know, we built WordPress templates. So websites for WordPress, essentially um, the the designs that come with it. And so it's real time looking back that, you know, eco economically things would be kind of tanking, but that I was just having a lot of fun running this business called iThemes. Yeah. You, you were one of the, uh, and, and I could be completely off base on this, one of the original theme companies or something like that? Yeah, uh, there was a set of those early birds um, yeah, in 2008 right. that none saw. You know, Brian Gardner had come out with Revolution Theme. Brian Gardner, um, which eventually became Studio Press, his his company, we rolled out the same day. Woo Theme started that year, Press 75 by my friend Jason Schuler. So yeah, it was we we were right there at the first wave of commercial products coming into WordPress. It was a it was a really fun time too. Okay, so so how'd things go when you started out? 
It was fun. It was, you know, I, that, that first year was a blast. I mean, I also had to fire somebody the first year. So it it had its shares of ups and downs, but I think I was, it was getting to punch my ticket on doing something I really wanted to do uh, with my life. Before I tell the story off and before I uh, started iThemes, I had a job on average about every two years since I was 16. So since I could work professionally and like, you know, get taxes taken out, every a job every one and a half, two years. And then I finally found this job where everything, every day was a new challenge. I didn't just start iThemes and go, I know everything. I'm the orb. I'm the mastermind. I was like, hey, I'm learning and trying to grow and make this thing a reality. And so that first year was really about proving if I could make a go of it. If we had the right mix of product and customers and uh, we hit a really good wave with WordPress for sure. Um, you know, I think we've all had our share of luck in life, um, but the key is what we do with that luck. And so I was at the right time, the right place, and I was ready. And I worked hard for my, whatever luck came my way or fortune came my way. I, I worked, I worked pretty hard for it, but it was an exciting time too. It was the start of the roller coasters, you know, very well, Nev. I mean, how this whole gig called entrepreneurship, uh, happens is just, it's an up and down continually. I love I'm just going to go back to that comment for a second. Uh, what you said about, you know, you said about luck and that we all had our share of luck, but it's what you do with it. I think the old saying is luck is 10% um, inspiration and 90% perspira- perspiration. So it, it's, I think everybody, almost everybody has an opportunity in life, but the opportunities that you don't try to take advantage of, the opportunity you don't make yourself available for are the ones you forget about and say you never had a break. I think there's massive opportunity right now for people to take advantage of some breaks and I wanna, that are going to be happening right now and some opportunities that are going to be created that I want to get to in a, in a little bit. So let's go back to the story though, because tangible totally side. And thanks. So the recession hit. So, and everything was going great. You were having fun. It was, you know, in the middle, you're in the WordPress, you know, doing your thing, having a great time. And then boom, let's talk about that a little bit. How'd that affect your business? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think the re- recession necessarily affected our business um, in 2008 much because we were the low cost okay. solution. And, but also keep in mind, like we were just starting. So, you know, first month we made 10, the first month, not in the first month, but the first month we made like 10,000. And then, you know, it was just growing over time, which is great. So in a group for a very, very long time like that. So if there was an impact, I didn't feel it in that year, particularly. Uh, now, you know, I, as you said, kind of in the intro, I, I'm not no longer running that company, um, but we had built up a subscription and recurring revenue model over the years to help sustain it through times like we're, we're seeing right now and to, to build as big as we could of a moat around the business, you know, where we could defend against potential competitors. We've seen, you know, dozens over the years, downturns in the economy, something that would happen outside of our control. So we, we had you know, retained earnings and cash in the bank so that if something happened, we could weather the storm. So, you know, the first couple of years was like holding on to a, a rocket in some regards. Uh, we weren't hockey stick or anything like that, but it was just trying to keep up with what we were doing and keep going and push through until one day we wake up and we go, man, we're going to hit a million dollars this year in, in annual revenue. That's, that's a, that's a fun place to be. My wife, Lindsay, who I was dating uh, at the time in 2011, you know, remembers the first months we had, you know, 
six figure plus, you know, growth in monthly uh, revenue. And that was fun times. My partner at the time in the early years goes, be sure you remember, like really savor and remember this time. Cause we had actually a desk that I'm, I'm using right now. These were one of the desks actually. <laughs> it's ironic. We got these cheap plastic desks from that were really like picnic tables from Sam's club or, you know, like a Costco kind of thing. And I was so proud of it. I love this desk by the way. And they've been in my garage. He said, remember this time because you know, this is the fun time where you're feeling the thrill. And, you know, it's so true. I mean, ironically, I didn't even realize I had done this, that this was like traced back. I knew they're in the garage, knew they were connected to the business, all that kind of at some point way in the past. But uh, sitting here with the desk is kind of ironic. Yeah, I know. I know. I love that. I love that. Um, so this is probably a, a, a stupid story, but I just, I just find this entertaining. Like Nas had once said that, uh, who's, who's a rapper, really successful and said that he'd been for like 20 years. And he said that he had vinyl cab seats put in the back of a Maybach just to remind him, you know, of where he came from. Now, whether that's true or not, or something like that, but I think it's keeping perspective of where you were and, you know, where you are now, because so you don't, it's something to tie you back to the times when it was pure and fun and, you know, you were building it because, I think a lot of people when like I know when I when I achieved success in my agency and we'll get into into this like it wasn't what I wanted it to be and I was I was depressed and it didn't make me happy so but it was the it was the excitement of building it you know that I would have much rather had I've been there too where the times where it just didn't feel very fun for sure um, that's that's being real right there yeah when when it just kind of sucks and you want to do something else or either you're bored potentially too it, but and then contrast with the times that are high and that you know i look back and i have just rose colored glasses on all that yeah yeah and i think i think i think rose so let so let's take off the rose colored glasses for a second and so we got the fifty thousand foot view of the hitting six figure, a three digit like gain in users in a month and everything like that. But uh, 2008 was bad. You know, the economy dropped, the stock market dropped like 40% relatively quickly. People were losing their jobs, people were losing their houses and everything like that. But you, like, what, what I hear is you didn't lose focus on what you were trying to do, you didn't lose focus on your mission, you didn't let all that stuff distract you from where you wanted to get to. So because people, you have a choice right now, you could go in the corner and hide and be scared, you know, which is, it's all right to be scared, but if it paralyzes you from doing what you need to do and just folding in your chips, it's, it's hurting you. It's not, yeah. fear is not serving you. You took the other route. You pushed through with a goal in mind, with a vision and charged at it. So is that correct? Am I? Yeah. You know, no matter what happens from the outside in or from what's happening within ourselves or even on our team and things, I think entrepreneurship is so much about resiliency, putting one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward. Right now, I exited the business two two and a quarter years ago or so, January 2018, uh, and then I left the company in 2019, January 2019. So I'm, I'm a year and like three, four months now out of this business I had for over a decade that all I knew, you know? Mm -hmm. And so last year I felt like I was starting over again. Mm -hmm. I've been asked recently about all this time and I go, you know, the, the sense of calmness I have is it's not just my problem. If it was just my problem, I might be in a different state, be more anxious about it, be more worried about it, whatever. But this is every person on the planet 
is being affected by this currently. And every business in some way, shape mm-hmm. or form is being affected by it too. And so I think in some sense that gives me a little peace. But the other part of it is I've been in this ground zero, starting from ground zero. Now I'm starting, I don't think I'm starting over. I'm starting again. Like I, I have started from a different perspective and point for sure than I did in 2008. But I think that's why I'm not worrying too much as one is I'm still now in my new ventures. I've got several projects. I'm still right there on the ground. Like I can't go down further, you know, much further. And I've been here for a while, whereas some people might have been very comfortable. And, you know, if this had happened, let's say five years ago for me, maybe I'd thought about differently with iThemes, but so it's interesting, this perspective. Now I've read something recently now that I think is so I've, I've been sharing as often as I can, cause it's resonated with right. me Yeah, because three years ago, I was just living in fear, continual fear, paralyzed, almost like you had said, and had just been thinking about in the future and what's going to happen and all these potential what ifs and stuff. And so recently I just read a book about fear and the key principle, and I have to get the book for you later okay. on the title of it, because I can't remember it offhand. But the principle I got from it was when you really push down on what is underneath our fear, it's that we're worried we can't handle it. What's ever going to happen? Like if you're like me, I go to catastrophe mode real quick. And when we get fearful, really, it's, I don't think I can handle it. So one of my fears is like, you know, at some point our runway money we set aside to do this will run out. And my fear will be really, if I push down, my fear is we'll have to live at a different lifestyle than we've been accustomed to living. Now, when you get that real about something, I think it helps me and put it in perspective and go, I'm going to do everything I can control to not make that happen and also say, could I really handle that? You know, I think I could probably really actually handle that. Now, am I going to like it? No, I'm going to kick and scream through it. But I think that's one of the perspectives I've been thinking about more and more as we go through this pandemic. Wow. I want to um, summarize two things you said there and then comment. I hope I remember my comment because I often forget what I want to say when I come back to other things. But I just think two things you said were so impactful. One I, I just love this, and I'm going to just print this all over the place now. You're, you're, you're not starting ever. You're starting again because you've learned something. You have different skills, different experiences now. So you're, you never start over. You just start again, which I think is if you take the lessons from what you did the first time, I just think, wow, that is mind-blowing right there. That is your MBA lesson of the of yeah. the day right there and then he hits us and he follows up with another great one that says what we fear is the fact that we can't handle it which and I, I'm a very introspective person I love to think about things like this and that's so true that is so true because I think back to my business and this brand alike and the fact that I have two businesses that where we're you know making money and everything like that and then because of some advice you know, some of the things you helped me out with, you know, um, and I'll get to that story, but it was just like, I say, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to double down on this brand. And worst case, you know, my sister works for me and she's, uh, she's worked for me for like six years and, you know, I can't let her down, but then again, and so I could be paralyzed by the fear of worrying about letting her down. But then I think to myself, okay, well, the very the very worst we could do is help people. And that's why I try to go out there every day and help as many people as possible. Because I figure, like, I can't fail. 
if I help people. Like I might fail her, I might fail to make a success out of it. But if I'm going out there and I'm helping some people and I'm like, it's what released and I couldn't put my finger on it, but that just made me want to get up every day and push forward no matter if it was a good day or bad day. And you're right because it's like, I can handle helping people. I can't handle letting people down. So I don't know. Mm. Maybe I'm just rambling here. So <laughs> no, that's that's an authentic experience right there. So you yeah. know, it's it's good that you said that. Well, supporting people. Uh, one thing I'm bad at is probably taking generosity from others. I'm, but I'm mm. pretty pretty dang good about being generous. And when I started over again, started again. And last year and last January, I did not know everybody goes, what are you going to do next? I think they thought I had this epic idea in, in my back of my head of what I was going to do next with my next chapter. And I didn't. <laughs> and so I had to search for what would be next because I didn't plan to be start. I think January 1st, 2008, like, you know, years before that I had a desire to be an entrepreneur. You know, and so when I said out last year, I had a couple of desires, passions, purpose, interests, one of them being mental health. And I just kind of set my, you know, I tried not to hold something too tight in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you got <laughs> it on thirsty. record. Now, now, I'm a re- now you got it on record. My, I just told my kid he could have uh, candy. <laughs> That's between us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I realized when I started to grasp stuff, too firmly, like trying to hold on stuff, things too tight where my knuckles get white it, where, is where I really went astray. But the times where I had my hands open and said, this is what I want to pursue, you know, mental health was in those and doing group work and things like that and different, I don't know, just different things I had interest in and just see where they led, you know, was very successful, by the way, of doing it that way versus holding on to something so tight to think I've got all the answers and here's what it is. I mean, I was truly lost, (laughs) Um, but I just set out searching for the things that interest me and do good work. Like you were saying, do good by people, do right by people, build relationships. Every time I built a new relationship, it seems like it's just exponentially been impactful because I end up oh, you have to go meet this person you go meet this person. And so I was kind of on a meandering path and just with hope, knowing that do the things that got me here, which were those principles to grab by people, build relationships, help people, you know, support people, follow the things you're interested in and see where it takes you. And I, it's so far it's worked out for me. Yeah, I think um, that's very uh, astute. Let's transition into that mental health because I know that's, an important topic for you and um, and one that hits home for me. And it's the perspective that we both bring to it, I think gives a very, where we come from the same place, but then different paths for the same result. So yeah, I know when I came to you back last summer, you had given me some great advice that really had... Um, made a world of difference. And if it wasn't for the advice you had given me and the hope you had given me, I wouldn't be here today doing this podcast with you because it was just, yeah, it, you, he gave us some business advice to really, I was having problems with my team. I was unhappy. And you told me to go there and say, um, and cause I was like, I'm the same way. I have a problem taking help. And I was generous. I was giving and people were shitting all over me. 
and uh, you came to me and said, you know, Nev, because I heard you say that you could love your team. And it made me angry because I was like, no, Corey, that's not true. I tried it. It failed. That's bullshit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, yeah. and, and we talked about it. You know, I, we, we had a talk after like a month later and you, you, you told me, you, you straightened me out on that. And I went to my team and said, look, I love you. I want you to be here, but you have to want to be here and you have to work to be here because you're either going to work yourself out of a job or you're going to work yourself into a job because we are transitioning because... I'm not happy right now and I'm not happy with the direction of the company. And it was hard. Talk about, could you talk about why it's important for you to be happy and why it's not a selfish act? Because it's a hard one to get your hands around. Oh, it's totally, uh, especially I think for people who want to give and want to be givers. You know, I, I got it mixed up in the early years of the business where trying to make people happy and became miserable in that process. And the point that turned for me was when I had had enough, when I started to say, I'd rather work anywhere else but here. And I th- finally, I kind of had to come to the sober realization, thankfully, I started this place. This is my, my place. Like, I own this. And I want to do good by people. I want to treat people well. I want them to feel feel an ownership of what they do, autonomy about what they do. I want them to feel like they're building something that's bigger than themselves. But at the end of the day, it it's my place. And, you know, I was in misery for so long trying to help make, make sure I was the happiness engineer for everybody and uh, then became miserable in the process. And finally, I just, it, I think I just hit bottom with that so hard that I said, no, this is not the way this, we, we entrepreneurs do something different from the bulk of the population. It, and that is create things out of nothing. Mm-hmm. We, and we solve problems for other people. And then there's an exchange of money there too. And I believe it's a sacred calling to be an entrepreneur. I truly do. You know, think about the things that have come about for human, humankind as a result of entrepreneurship. Uh, even now there's things like there's somebody furiously working on a vaccine or whatever you want to call it for the coronavirus, they should get rewarded well. Now, should they, you know, make it a million dollars for the magazine? Heck no. No. Should they profit from it? Yeah. Now there's a difference between profit from it and greed. But so I think that's, that's part of it, but we have a noble calling in this and to do right. And at the end of the day, it is ours. So we take the risk, you know, I still think it's, you still have a similar amount of risk when you work for somebody else, but we take the risk, the name for if you have loans or lines of credit, whatever that is, or lease on the building, or, uh, you know, if somebody gets hurt, uh, you are liable. That all comes back to you somehow, even if you've got an LLC and some kind of umbrella with around the company, but you're the one that gets to call it midnight, you know, when everything hits the fan. And so, I believe firmly it should be about the first mark you should check is your own happiness. Am I fulfilled here? Because your team will know it and your company will suffer from it if you're not. And I know that because I've been there. Mm-hmm. If you're not happy, if you're not fulfilled, your team will know. You are the, as a leader of your organization, as the entrepreneur, you are the lid to the, or- the, the place can't go past you. Um, a great business mentor shared that with me early on. And I thought, mm-hmm. man, I want to try to get out of the way for everybody as best as possible and do that. But back to your point, 
Yes, first should be about the entrepreneur. Should be taking the happiness box and the reward box financially, reward box uh, too, or things are kind of out of alignment. Yeah, yeah, and 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 let's talk about um getting out of a line. Can can we go? Can we jump back to the year two thousand ten in Corey Miller's life and give a brief overview of what was going on then? Yeah, so that's that's where I share my my mental health story publicly and did so in 2015 now, I guess I can't, I'm trying to remember back when you mentioned the word camp Denver talk. Um, <laughs> I'm a 16, fan. Yeah. yeah was, <laughs> sounds about right. That year was incredible professionally, uh, or at least on the surface, I compared to an iceberg on the surface. Here's what you saw. If you were paying attention around me uh, or on social media and following me um, on the surface. That was the year we hit million dollars in revenue. That was the year I got a chance to punch another ticket, dream ticket, which is co-authoring uh, a WordPress for dummies book, WordPress all in one for dummies book with my dear friend, Lisa Sid Wilson. Um, let's see, we had a cool office kind of thing. We were one of the few places in organizations in WordPress that actually had a physical office and we did some cool things with it. We went on an RV road trip that year. I mean, on the surface, it was, it was awesome. Like things, it was like, Hey, I want Corey's life. You're, Mm -hmm. you're hitting, you're living the Miller high life, man, doing all these things. (laughs) Underneath the surface was a lot of heartache, suffering, struggle, and mostly in silence. It was the first time in my business career to that point entrepreneurial business career to that point that I didn't, it was the, what I just described is the, I didn't want to go to work. There was a set of people that we had on the team that didn't really belong with us. They belonged somewhere else. And they eventually did find jobs elsewhere, either voluntary or involuntary, <laughs> but that were just allowed to make me miserable. And probably some of the other team too. I was also going through a divorce wife of uh, seven years, I think now at that time, and I were going through a divorce and it was extremely painful. I was, I had to find a new place mm-hmm. to live. You know, everything gets locked down in a divorce. Mm-hmm. So I share that because I, and then I walked into a counselor's office at the recommendation of my lawyer, by the way, <laughs> and uh, not the first time I'd ever seen a counselor, but walked in and ran through a battery of questions and said, Hey, I think you're suffering from low grade depression. And then you know, it was just kind of a splash of water in my face going, no, it can't be me. No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm right. I am He-Man. Right. So I say that You're part of the entrepreneurial thing is resiliency. That's, yeah. So that dichotomy was happening in my life. And few people knew, if any, knew some of the deepest, darkest pains I was going through at that time. Even my own parents. They didn't know my marriage was in shambles and getting ready to be over with. And up until I got to a point I needed somebody. and reached out to them. So yeah, that was some of the things that were happening then. And um, I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't in good shape. But from the surface, social media wise, hey, Corey's got it. He's been great. He's got it all. Yeah. Yeah. Social media, social media, it's everybody look like they're doing great. So you got locked up in solitary confinement during that period, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah, I, I say I put myself in solitary confinement because <laughs> yeah, that was a joke. Um, See, people are paying attention. Talk to, talk to anybody. Yeah, yeah, because I just uh, thought I could do everything by myself. I could handle it all. Locked it up in my own and didn't reach out. The thing I said earlier, I'm good at helping, putting a hand out for other people, but I'm not the one to say grab the hand very often. And so uh, I definitely didn't do that, and I found myself very alone and suffering. 
So did you end up taking any type of depression or anxiety medicine to help you out with this? Um, not, at the time. Okay. not at the time, uh, in it, but my counselor at the time had recommended that I, and, and at the time I chose not to, and there's no, please, no, I don't want anybody to read anything into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, you know, at, with a partner who is licensed professional, whether that be a medical doctor, therapist, whatever, uh, psychiatrist, for instance, um, what works for you, Hey, I'm supportive of, if it's, if, if you work through something and you find something that helps you, then I'm hundred percent supportive of. And so I say right at the end, but I'm going to tell you something that happened now, I guess all your viewers, but so I didn't choose to do antidepressants back then. And, uh, but last year finally made the, uh, in conjunction with professionals, trained people that know what they're talking about, did take a step to go on a low dose, uh, antidepressant. Okay. Okay. Well, so you, I just took what about five people knew and put it out there, but uh, you asked the question and I'm, I'm going to open a book when it comes to mental health as best, as much as I can. Yeah. I finally did feel it was, it was time to make that move. Oh, cool. Uh, I, 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 I was not expecting that. What, what did you do at that time though? You got help from, you were, you were saying a therapist? Yes. Yes. In fact, I saw him for, nine years, I think, eight, yeah. nine years um, regularly. So part of that experience was realizing, you know, just like we have a primary care doctor, most of us do anyway, primary care physician that, you know, we get the flu or COVID or whatever, you know, or get sick, we go to. And, you know, it dawned on me, like we, we have, that's kind of preached to us about having a primary care or going to see the doctor anyway. But we don't talk about that with the mental health side. And so we think, hey, we can do it all. And there's a stigma. I still think there's a stigma out there that I tried to obliterate by being vulnerable about my own story that we don't go seek, you know, counselor. Mm -hmm. I use the the word counselor, by the way, because I feel like sometimes therapist has a stigma (laughs) around it. So specifically to men, I I don't say therapist, I say counselor. Mm -hmm. But you know, and the same thing, I think uh, once a year kind of check up, hey, how's the past year gone? What's going on in your life? Uh, if you're like me, you kind of walk day by day and think everything's going okay or you're handling things and you wake up and you're like, no, I'm not. I- I'm not. It has to come crashing down to feel like it's not. And so having a relationship with a counselor or therapist, just like you do a primary care where you can call, they have familiarity with your your background, your context, everything. We're not coming in just at a moment of crisis, which is what most of us end up doing. Right. Me too. Yeah. Um, so from that experience, you know, I said, Hey, three, four times a year and you have a checkup. Now the last three months, I now I have a new counselor. I think it was time for that. I needed oh, yeah. to, to move on to a new counselor meeting weekly or bi-weekly since September, I think, you know, and so I say that not to toot my own horn. I say that because I want to de-signalize mm-hmm. seeing a counselor therapist and having one where I can call his name is Trent. I can email text Trent and say, do you have any appointments? But even though we have like one next week, so, so, but still having that kind of familiarity when stuff really happens like this epidemic, or you're kind of sequestered home with your children and your family, and you're trying to do work and juggle school and, and, oh, you're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. Having that access to a professional, I think is so key. Yeah, I I think, uh, I think you're right. And I thought, Corey, I'm so thankful that you've agreed to come on here and you shared 
that bit with us because uh, and one of the reasons I wanted to bring Corey on was I didn't know about the medicine thing, but I knew that uh, the counselor thing and I suffered uh, uh, from um, depression and anxiety myself. And I came about it from a, like a different path where I went to counseling and I, and I tried to find a therapist because I was kind of, you know, I, w- I would say I was anti-medicine. And then, you know, uh, just because just medicine in general doesn't react well to my body. So I try to, you know, I've had some bad side effects, so I've tried to avoid it in general. But I, so I so seeked out a um uh, therapist. I went to, I think, two of them, and I didn't get much help from them. But then I got to a point where I, I needed help. And that was in that July. You were one of the main people in my life. And I don't even know Corey that well, honestly. You know, I'm just, I was really grateful he came on the show. I was really grateful he took my call back in July. You know, we had met for the first time in June. And yeah, you're one of the people that helped me out a, a ton. A couple of weeks later, I decided to get on uh, medicine. It was a huge decision because we're, as humans, as men, as providers, we're, we're, we're for, for better or worse, we're prideful people. And if, yep. you know, if, if you don't want to, if you, if you don't think you are, you're full of it. You know? We have pride. We, 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 we want to, we want to see ourselves <laughs> in a certain way, you know, and, uh, and it was hard to admit it. I spent, so Corey spent six months in, uh, what he calls solitary confinement where I spent years telling everybody that I was, had, uh, low blood sugar or every problem I could think of that was causing me to have issues that, that I could blame my problems on when it was like the keep it simple kind of uh, view on things that the simple solution, the simple diagnostic was anxiety. But I was going, I went to an endocrinologist and he did all sorts of tests, you know, on my blood sugar and everything like that because, and, and I, anyways, I'm rambling now, but it was, and it wasn't until the fact that I got over my pride and accepted that I had anxiety. I got on the medicine and within a month, I felt like I could breathe again. So it was, yeah, um, you're I'm, I'm, I'm amazing. Yeah. I think you're, yeah, my, um, that, that's so good to hear. I think you got out of focus. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. There we go. So maybe I just won't be in focus for the rest of it, but that's okay. It's a podcast. <laughs> Whoever watches the video replay anyways. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> now you see my, 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 uh, cool, like lines on the screen anyway. So, but I think it's so, we needed a joke to break up this. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, uh, I think it's so important that you get help. You realize you get over yourself. You get help, whether it's any way possible. There's no one silver bullet to it. You know, yeah. uh, Corey has gotten help two ways now. I mean, I would have no problem going back to a, a therapist, but I think it's so important because as entrepreneurs, it's a lonely, difficult life, but we have the amazing ability to impact people, to create stuff that could change people's lives. Like you were talking about the person solving COVID, but we have to get over ourselves to be able to do it. So, um, yeah, that, I mean, I think that's just so key. So, Corey, you talked about community being a big thing for you So that, that, that helped you out. What, what, what advice can you give yep. people for community right now when people aren't, when you can't go out and be around people? Oh, I know. It's so tough right now. Uh, I think about I'm helping an addiction treatment center in Nashville. And uh, it's so tough right now because, you know, you you can walk into uh, months ago, you can walk into almost any 
major city in the world and fund an AA group, for instance, support groups. And so it's tough in this situation. You know, I've talked to therapists and counselors and things like that about this whole thing. You know, one one thing that truly changed my life, part of all of this, alongside the counselor, was also the fact that I had a group of business uh, men and women that I met with. In fact, I think it was just Monday I met with uh, my forum group. Um, I've been with for nine years. And um, that's the other side of it. So I finding like-minded entrepreneurs who are on the same or similar journey with the same values as you is absolutely key. You can find those anywhere. I mean, you all had it at when I met you, Nev, back mm-hmm. in LA at part of um, WP Elevation. Right. Find people that you can get real with. And you know the difference, but you'll have to probably lead it out. Find three or four people that you think um, kind of get you. Uh, you're on the kind of same or similar path and see if you can start meeting. You know, the, the term comes around like mastermind groups. The reason why I don't like mastermind is because oftentimes that's paired with accountability. Like you're trying to do something, you're trying to get a goal project off the ground and you want that weak accountability. A lot of solopreneurs, particularly not all, but uh, benefit from mastermind groups. There's the other group that's a blend between, it's just meeting together and sharing the highs and lows, what's going on in your life, in your business, and being real about it. And meeting on a regular basis, it doesn't have to be every week, but reading on a, meeting on a consistent, regular basis. Like it could be once a month for a couple of hours, like we do uh, for the last nine years. I know fourth Tuesday of every month, that's my form group this year. But for the longest time, that was it. So setting some consistent pattern, there has to be somebody to champion that. But walk together and commit to doing life together because highs and lows, we talked a lot about the lows, right? That it's my parents don't understand what I've been through my entrepreneurial journey, selling a, a company, building a multi-million dollar business, selling it, all that stuff. The, worrying about paychecks. They didn't have to worry about that. They, they work jobs for the most part and nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm so proud of what they've done over their careers. Mm-hmm. But the other side is the highs. So when we finally sealed the deal after seven months of acquisition, who could I talk to about that? You know, thankfully I've got amazing brothers that I could share and they could high five with me, but they didn't, they're, they're in law enforcement. They're in a wholly different sector of life with its own challenges, by the way. But those seven and eight, seven or eight men and women, I could high five with them. They didn't want anything from me except camaraderie and friendship and finding that special where you can celebrate those highs that you might not even be able to celebrate with your team. That's what that entrepreneurial groups are about. Camaraderie, connection, trust, and respect, lowering the shields, lower, taking the mask off and saying, this is what sucks in my life, right? Yeah. Uh, my group, we walked through everything. Now pandemic. And now we're meeting every two weeks because we need it. We need each other a little bit more often. So finding that group of people that get you and meeting with them on a consistent basis and committing to be authentic and sharing the real you and what's going on with your life, absolutely key. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned where I met you in the group I have in Maverick. So we it's a mastermind, but we've formed, um, like there's some of us that became very, very good friends in that mastermind. And those people were, so it was... It was me. I wasn't even going to go to there. And they forced me to come to that Mavericks event. Really, I wasn't going to go. I was I was down. It was, you know, like my dad had died right before that. My business, I was so pissed off with it. 
I was just, I wasn't even going to come. And they insisted that I came and they were going to do anything I could to get me there. And I came and it rejuvenated me. I met you who eventually gave me the advice that I needed. I needed the kick in the ass and the advice to change my business and my life that then gave me the ability to say, okay, you know, I need, I really need to do something. And then that's when I went and got medicine. And, but community is really important, but I, I think it could also be, you know, like, I bet you never even like until maybe a month ago when I messaged you or two months ago, I forget when I messaged you to tell you, you know, what a, what a huge impact you had on my life. You probably even forgot about that phone call we had in July and you probably thought it was inconsequential, but it changed my life in ways you'll never understand. So I would say, you know, like you never know the impact you could have on a complete stranger and not that we were complete strangers, but you could have an impact on complete, just a random act of kindness just to somebody could really make a difference when they're struggling. So be there for your friends, but also be there for other humans. So to wrap this up, why don't you tell us like what Digital Kitchen is? Because I've been dying to know this whole time, unless you have something else to say on that. So Yeah, and I'm sorry if my webcast this day is like five times is just worn out today on the, on the web here. Nev, thank you so much for sharing that with me about the impact. And I, I'm so, I'm so grateful to, to whatever that was helpful for you. Um, and I do remember it, by the way, <laughs> that's, I think that's who we are, you know, those generous, helpful people. Yeah. Um, so D- digitalmarketingkitchen.com is a joint venture between Rebecca Gill and I. Rebecca and I are longtime friends. She's an ex she is a true, I hate even pairing these two words together or phrases, but SEO expert. She truly is. She helped kind of get back on track. And uh, we partner and we help people, um, business owners, founders, entrepreneurs, and also freelancers and agencies take next steps and make progress in their digital marketing. Our bent is organic digital marketing, SEO, content, and email. That's how I specifically grew uh, iThemes over the years, email mar- marketing being my my secret weapon for the most part uh, under the hood, and SEO content, of course, a part of that. And so we teach and preach that. We support people as they go. We just had our office hours yesterday. We do that twice a month where we just help people get unstuck. So a lot of problems, here's what's going on with my site. We do some site audits, things like that. And then we have several courses in the membership. Uh, it, we have now just rolled out a $50 option, uh, monthly option. So you can get the course and the monthly office hours. And we have month and topical training. And I've been just lining up some guest webinars um, for people that come in that know more about different areas of marketing than I do. Uh uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, things like that. Other particularly tacit tactics in digital marketing. And uh, it's it's fun. We call ourselves the digital marketing us there. And uh-huh. it's just walking alongside a dear friend who's helped me as we've walked together over the years. And it's pretty fun. To help. That's, that's, that's cool. And I love your approach to marketing, but that's really cool. I'm sure that's really fun. So I'm excited to see where, where you, where you're going to take that. So, but now if people want to follow you people and I, and I suggest you follow this guy, I mean, really take my advice, follow this guy, where, where would they find you? Probably the best way you can kind of get attached or, you know, get connected is uh, my website, CoreyMiller.com without an E, Corey, C-O-R-Y, Miller.com. Hit my contact form if you want to chat, ask a question. And then, of course, you can find, you know, Twitter, CoreyMiller303. I've got an AOL type username for Twitter. <laughs> um, but from there, you can you can find me. 
<laughs> so at least it's not Sparkle Pony or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, we with capital letters and lowercase all scattered in between, you know, in like parentheses and stuff. Am I dating myself? Instant messenger times. People yeah. are like, what the hell are you talking about, Nev? Oh, man. No, I brought it well. So, yeah, I'm definitely dating myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's a, that's a wrap on this podcast, Corey. I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing everything and getting so real with us. Because, yeah, I think I think there's a need to know that, you know, there's a human side to these 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 great businesses that were started. And there's a human side to running a business. And, you know, it's not always like it's what we normally see is the highlight film. And what I want to show is the security footage. And I didn't make that up. I just a friend said that. Yep. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Nev. That was the Profit and Impact podcast with Nev Harris. For a full recap of this show, or for more info on making more profit and impact with your agency or freelance business, visit nevharris.com. If you liked this episode, show us some love. Give us a rating and comment over on iTunes and help Nev get the message out to more agency owners and freelancers. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.